For all the parents out there, picture that it's bedtime. You and the kids have been busy all day. You know they're tired, but for some reason, they just won't go to sleep. And for this reason, I created the podcast Bedtime History. Bedtime History is a series of relaxing history stories that end with an inspirational message. With over 2,000 positive parent reviews, Bedtime History is one of the top education podcasts. Join me and listen to Bedtime History every Monday and Thursday on iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello, everybody. Welcome into another episode of the Fantasy Pros Football Podcast. I am Ryan Warmly, joined on this Friday morning by Pat Fitzmorris and Derek Brown. Fellas, it is week 14, the final week of the regular season in most fantasy leagues. We've got a jam-packed show, as we always do, but now that we're past most of the bye weeks, it's even more packed than usual, so we will dive right in here as we hope to get everybody ready to clinch that final playoff spot. So best of luck to everybody this week. We are starting at the very top here, Bucks at Falcons matchup previews. Let's give some love to Mike Evans here, guys. He has not been talked enough about on this show. Continues to crush for fantasy managers. What do we think of this week's matchup, Fitz? Yeah, um, boy, before we get into this week's matchup, Worm, uh, as far as not getting enough love, let's go back to draft season because I was... Checking his preseason ADP, checking the Fantasy Pros consensus ADP data, uh, Mike Evans was wide receiver 32 back in draft season, which just seems like such an abomination right now. Um, Like Mike Evans 2023 season is a good reminder that talent matters more than situation or perceived situation in this case, because I think people thought Baker Mayfield was going to be this big downgrade from Tom Brady, even though we didn't get a really good Tom Brady year last year. I think he averaged 6.4 targets, 6.4 yards per attempt, I should say, in his final uh, NFL season. So, like, Baker Mayfield hasn't been that bad. Evans has smashed. Um, As far as this week's matchup, yeah, it's fine, and it might be better than fine because I think A.J. Terrell is still in concussion protocol. And uh, Mike Evans had six catches for 82 yards and a touchdown against the Falcons in Week 7. If Terrell doesn't play, I mean, like, wheels are totally up for Evans. I think they are anyway. I mean, you're obviously starting the guy. So yeah, pretty bright outlook for Evans in week 14. Yeah. You mentioned where his ADP was in August. If anybody goes to the rest of season rankings on fantasypros.com, the furthest right column, you can see what their ECR is for rest of season compared to what it was as their ADP in August. And Mike Evans has jumped up 25 spots. That is uh, higher than anybody besides these late round lottery tickets like a Puka Nakua that has jumped up in immense amount, like these rookie wide receivers that jump up every year. Outside of that type of player, Mike Evans has jumped up as much as anybody at wide, wide receiver position, and he wasn't some unknown. He was just a guy that was going too late. I mean, he was going that late, and guys, I don't think I have him in any leagues on a single one of my rosters, even though he was so affordable compared to the production we've been given. So, so Deber, I'll throw it to you too. Just obviously like a chance to give our, some flowers to Mike Evans, but also what do we think about this week's matchup? specifically against Atlanta. Dude, 10 straight years of a thousand receiving yards. Give that man his freaking due. Like he'll never be talked about. I don't think in the conversation, at least off the top of the best receivers to ever play the game, but he needs to be at least in the area code. Like we, we really do need to give this man his flowers. He's played extremely well. And for how long he's freaking done it has been amazing. And this week, yeah, Fitz brought up the fact that A.J. Terrell might not play. Shoot, we might not even see Jeffrey Akuda play. 
He's dealing with an ankle injury right now, and he was a limited participant on Wednesday and then downgraded to a DMP on Thursday. So you're telling me Atlanta might be without their top, top two corners in this matchup? <laughs> Good luck. Good luck, Atlanta. <laughs> Mike Evans is going to take your he's going to take your lunch money. That's what's happening, man. Yeah, it's not even really going out on a limb anymore to say this guy's just like no. an obvious Hall no. of Famer, which is like he's just yeah. just a Hall of Fame wide receiver. He's really, really good. I mentioned that we are in week 14 at the end of the regular fantasy season. Can you guys believe we are this deep into the season? We got to make every second count with DraftKings Sportsbook. You can make the most out of every game day. Bet on your favorite teams for a shot at winning big bucks. New customers can score 150 instantly in bonus bets for betting five on any matchup. We had a lot of teams on buy last week, but we get to make up for it with some amazing matchups on Sunday. We've got Philly, Dallas, Seahawks, Niners, Jags, Browns, Rams, Ravens, of course, Bills, Chiefs. Kansas City is laying a point and a half at home. That game is going to have major AFC playoff implications. However you plan to bet that one, get in on the action with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Download the app now and use code FANTASYPROS. New customers can score 150 instantly in bonus bets for betting just 5 bucks on the NFL. NFL only on DraftKings Sportsbook with code Fantasy Pros. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler or visit www.1800Gambler.net. In New York, call 877 8 Hope NY or text Hope NY. 467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort, Kansas. Licensee partner Golden Nugget Lake Charles, Louisiana. 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See sportsbook.draftkings.com slash football terms for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. I argued a lot with uh, Erickson earlier this week about the Thursday night <laughs> game last night, the uh, over-under, historically low line, and I still said you should bet the under, and I was proven wrong. Not only was I proven wrong, I was proven wrong in the first half of that game. So, uh, Erickson, I will give you your credit. You were correct on that one, and uh, I was incorrect. Guys, let's go to Rams at Ravens. There's some degree of question about Lamar's health. It's in his yearly December illness. Um, we'll see what happens. He only just popped up on the, you know, not practicing uh, on Thursday. Um, so we'll see how this illness develops over the next couple of days. Keep an eye on that. Would obviously have major, major implications on the fantasy status of, you know, pretty much every Raven in this game. Um, but the other kind of X factor in this game is the weather forecast projected for heavy rains and some wind? How is this going to impact your rankings in this game, Fitz? Oh, um, not much at all, at least to start where I'm like, I'm a fade the weather guy. And I think most of the time people get worked up about weather forecasts. Uh, there's little actual impact in the end, um, especially wind. Like people get concerned about 15 mile an hour winds, but like that will not even moss your hair if you go outside and like the three of us could go out and play catch with a Nerf ball and like a 15 mile an hour wind is not going to affect our ability to throw even a Nerf ball accurately. So um, we should not be worried about that. Now, a torrential downpour, that's a different thing. If we turn on the pregame shows on Sunday morning and see that it's just raining buckets, uh, then I'm going to be concerned about it. But man, like I'm I'm not benching... Uh, Lamar Jackson for Desmond Ritter because of of rain and a little wind like I, I just don't want to um, overmanage and I think fantasy managers tend to be guilty of that sometimes like we want to really control our environment 
And so we play up um, small factors into big factors, and I think that happens most often with weather. And by the way, Worm, about that Lamar Jackson illness, let's hope it's just the December illness and not the usual Lamar Jackson December injury. Because I, has he played a full December game since like 2020? No, it's the two two straight years he has not. Uh, and then, of course, we sit here this year and he's the only healthy AFC North starting quarterback. So quite a reversal of fortune, although I guess health is relative given this sickness. I'll, I'll be quite happy if it's just, you know, a couple of days of a stomach bug as opposed to to anything worse. I will mention also before I toss to you, Debro, that uh, the weather forecast early on in the week was a little bit worse. It had the winds over 20 miles an hour. They've come down a little bit to kind of that 12 to 15 range. So that's just something to keep an eye on, like see if it turns into a torrential downpour or if it gets to be kind of a nicer forecast. Um, as as we get talked about all the time, you know, fantasy analysts are like the weathermen of, you know, just trying to project out and who cares if you're wrong. People say that about us a lot. Um, but that's true of weathermen, obviously, also. That's where the cliche comes from. So just be, keep an eye on that. Um, Debra, what do you think? I know you, in general, are also a fade the weather guy. I don't care about the freaking weather. Like, nine times out of ten, this is everybody freaking out every single time, every single week. Like, it it happens every year, every week, when we get this part of the season. And it's like, oh, temperature's dropping outside. Everybody's like, oh, could it snow? Could it be ice? Could it be wind? <sighs> like, I, I don't care, man. Like, nine times out of ten, it's not enough to the levels to where it actually impacts the game. Like, we still see quarterbacks have the ability to, oh, my gosh, throw the ball when it's wet. Look at that. It's like they've been doing it since junior high school whenever it's rained. It's like they have experience doing that. Crazy, I know. So I, I don't care. I'm not moving ranks. It doesn't matter about that. No. But by the way, Fitz said that the wind wouldn't even mess up uh, our hair. Debro, is that referring no, to your beard, I guess, instead? You don't, you don't have um, much hair to get messed up. I mean, it's... it's it's 50-50 whether he even moves the beard. So <laughs> yeah. I'm with Fitz, you know? Um, before we move on for this game, just to ask about a player, and I know I didn't prep you guys with this question, but, um, you know, obviously the Ravens have such a strong pass defense. It's been the best in the league, really, this whole season. One of the best, you know, in recent years. The Rams obviously have a lot of talent passing the ball. Like Matthew Stafford has looked generally really good this year. I know there's been some health question marks throughout the season, really, with both Puka and Cooper Cup, but obviously both super talented players. So, Fitz, I'm kind of wondering, who do you think is going to come out on top in this clash of Rams passing offense versus Ravens passing defense? I do think we have to sort of lower expectations a little bit for the Rams receivers. Puka still is pretty much in must-start range, I think, unless you're in a really mm -hmm. shallow league. Um, Cup is maybe a little more borderline. Like, he hasn't cleared 60 receiving yards in a game for, like, six games. So it's been pretty bad. But, man, ultimately it's like, uh, how how long do you hang on your priors with good wide receivers or, or good players generally? Like, I'm, I'm clinging pretty tightly to my priors on cup by still having him ranked inside the top 30 this week. I, I just, I still think he's a good player, even though the Ravens past defense has been undeniably terrific this season. Like I, I would still probably play cup over um, most other flex worthy candidates. Yeah, Cup, uh, since week seven. So after just his first two games of the season, mm. he was five and six. Since week seven, his points per game in fantasy in each of these individual games in half PPR, six, four, six, two, three. Last week he had 13 because he got a touchdown. So, it, I mean, it's it's been very, very bad, even for anybody, let alone for a guy of, of his talent. So, Debro, 
same question. You know, this Ravens passing defense is really good. Rams passing offense is really well coached and, and has some talent. Who do you kind of like to come out on top? I think the Ravens pass defense comes out on top. I think you have to start Puka at this point. Um, he's going to be a top 24 wide receiver for me. Cup is the one that takes the big hit. He's a wide receiver three. Um, and we've seen, again, like like Fitz talked about, you, you can't get married to names at this point of the season. We have to understand where production comes in at. And I know I've ranted and raved on, I think it was last week's matchup show specifically, about people are like, how do you rank Cooper Cup as a wide receiver three? It's like, Dude, you need to just take the names away. If you looked at the production of some of these players and the, the seesaw effect of them, it's kind of like we were talking about why is Terry McLaurin a weekly top t- top 24 wide receiver? I don't know. Why is Cooper Cup going to be that? I don't know either. Because if you've been looking at his production, you look at the matchup, none of this tells you that that's going to happen. So Cup takes the big hit. I think the Ravens, if we're looking for a winner here, it's going to be their secondary. The only way that the Rams keep this game close is a ton, a heaping deuce of Kyron Williams. Let's move to Lions at Bears here. I want you guys to rank DJ Moore, David Montgomery, and Jameer Gibbs in order from best to worst outlooks for this matchup. And and I say this recognizing that most people are probably going to be starting all these guys anyway. There's not a ton of question marks between these two teams. It's mostly guys that you're either definitely starting or definitely sitting. But I'm curious, since they're all kind of ranked in the same range in our flex rankings, how you would order those three. Again, that's DJ Moore, David Montgomery, and Jameer Gibbs. Debra, what do you think? I think each one of these guys belong in their own tier. DJ Moore is top shelf. He is amazing. He's like the secret menu. He's going to be a top seven wide receiver. And he did it last time he played them. He was wide receiver six. And this is the first game that Justin Fields is back. So tell me they've had, they've had a few weeks to reestablish the rapport. We've seen what that looks like. DJ Moore is going to get smash. Um, Jameer Gibbs, we're, they're going to have to run through the air. You cannot run the ball on Chicago. That's been tried and true the entire freaking season. They do give up production to receiving backs. So Jameer Gibbs is number two. Dave Montgomery is bringing up the rear in this one. And could he get two short porch touchdowns and make me look foolish by saying this? Sure. That could happen. But is that the likeliest of outcomes versus this run defense? Is it the likeliest of outcomes for all of his production and his value comes from the early downs? This is a bottom three matchup for his specific role in this offense. So Dave Montgomery is a wide gap from Jameer Gibbs. Fifth, same question, ranking those three. DJ Moore, just to give the lines from the last time these guys played uh, back in week 11. Uh, DJ Moore, seven for 96 and a touchdown. David Montgomery, 12 for 76 and a touchdown. Jameer Gibbs, eight for 36 and a touchdown, but also had six for 59 through the air. So Fitz, what do you think about those three? I do have it ranked the same way Debro does with DJ Moore, Jameer Gibbs, then David Montgomery. Last, um, DJ Moore, you mentioned Worm, seven catches for 96 and a touchdown against the Lions last time. And that was with Justin Fields only throwing for 169 yards. So that was a big percentage of the production in the yeah. passing game going to DJ Moore. And that's kind of how it is with Fields around. Like he peppers DJ Moore with targets uh, and just locks into him. And it's great we know the lions have really struggled to defend the pass lately so um love the matchup he's absolutely a top 10 receiver this week debro mentioned that the bears give it up to pass catching running backs they've allowed 73 receptions that's the third most of any team in the nfl and last time gibbs faced the bears just three weeks ago six catches for 59 yards so yeah he's number two because of what he can give you in the passing game even though his production overall has kind of taken a hit since david Montgomery returned from his rib injury in week 10. Um, Monty is third. Like, 
he's going to get at least 12 carries and and maybe as many as 20. So like, I, I think there's a fairly safe usage floor. Although as Debro mentioned, tough matchup against the bears run defense. Um, man, it, it's hard to count on those touchdowns, although Montgomery has 10 of them in nine games. So maybe you can with this guy, but, um, Ultimately, his success is going to depend on getting in the end zone. And if he doesn't, you're probably not going to get the day you want out of David Montgomery. I want to throw a uh, player prop your guys' way. Anybody can find these props on bettingpros.com. We're, of course, going to use the DraftKings Sportsbook odds. I want to ask about Amon Ross St. Brown. We, I don't think we've ever mentioned his name on this show because he's just such – there's no questions about him, right? We're starting him each and every week. But I want to throw out this prop over under six and a half receptions, 72 and a half receiving yards for Amon Ross St. Brown. Debra, what do you think? Um, it's a good line. I think um, I'll take the over for both of them. I feel better about the receiving yardage uh, versus Chicago last time, 77 receiving yards, which is – you look back over the last few weeks, that's obviously like not the that's more the outlier than than the mean of what he's been doing. He's basically been a locked in hundred yards basically every single week. So I think the receiving the receptions line is pretty damn good, although I will take the over uh, for that one. But I do love the receiving yardage line. Yeah, Fitz, like Devro said, he went eight for 77 and a touchdown uh, the last time these two teams faced. So six and a half receptions, that would be over 72 and a half receiving yards. That would also be over. Are you in agreement here with Debro? I very much am um, like slightly leaning over on both. I think they're good lines. I feel a little more confident in the yardage total and uh, just hope you don't. It, it seems like he's going to go off because last week he had that one early touchdown catch against the Saints. And then I think he just had like one more short catch the rest of the way. That's pretty rare for Amon Ra to be that um, lightly involved in the Detroit offense. I, I think he could you know, bounce back with a big game this week against the Bears. Our multi-league assistant makes juggling multiple leagues easier than ever. Head to fantasypros.com slash myplaybook to get expert advice for all your teams in one spot so you can dominate every league each and every week. Next game up, Colts at Bengals. Jake Browning was really surprisingly good on Monday Night Football last week. Do we think he can keep that up the rest of the way and help keep this offense viable for fantasy, D-Bro? I think he can keep it up. The question is... How much? I mean, we're not going to see what we saw out of Jake Browning looking like Joe Burrow, honestly, uh, for most of that game. That's not going to happen, especially like if you look at the upcoming matchups, it's not a cakewalk like the Jacksonville Jaguars secondary is. I mean, yes, the Indy has not been great. Minnesota is going to blitz the ever living crap out of him. Pittsburgh is tough. Kansas City is tough. And then he's got Cleveland. So can he keep this offense afloat? Yes. Are we going to see anything close Past, uh, okay, maybe he can do it versus Indy, but after that, are we going to see anything close to that? Like, after that point of the season? No. Fitz, maybe we didn't see enough from Browning to be wanting to start him in any but the deepest of Superflex leagues, but did we see enough to be still confident in starting guys like Chase, if Higgins gets going, Joe Mixon, these guys we wanted to be starting anyway from this offense? Only Chase. I would have a uh, high level of confidence in, and boy, they set on DraftKings the yardage total for Jake Browning at 231.5. I could not smash the under fast enough on that one. Um, like, this is a former undrafted free agent who has made two NFL starts, and now opponents have tape on him. So I'm I'm pretty skeptical that we are going to see a repeat 
of his uh, stellar week 13. I, I don't know, man. I, I never want to say never. We see improbable success stories in the NFL all the time. I just think the odds are pretty long that Jake Browning becomes a thing. I want to toss out a second question on this game. Zach Moss was one of the most, you know, excited uh, players for fantasy managers last week, just given the injury to Jonathan Taylor. It looked like Zach Moss was going to be a league winner here. We're just one weekend. He got the volume that we expected with Jonathan Taylor out. He didn't have the efficiency or the production in that game against the Titans. So are we more worried about him having that, that pretty bad game in terms of actual production or more happy with the volume that he got D bro? I'm happy with him. My, my outlook on Zach Moss has not changed at all. None. Zero. Doesn't matter. It's just one bad game. He got all the volume, played all the snaps. Tennessee has been an up and down run defense all year. Yes, he got them once, but in the range of them being good against him last week was always there. So I'm going right back to Zach Moss this week uh, in rankings right now. I've got him as my RB three for the week. You can run all over Cincinnati, not worried about it. I think this is a bounce back spot for Moss. Fitz, Zach Moss. Totally agree with Debro. I mean, 22 opportunities for him last week, 19 carries, three targets. That is running back one usage. And um, yeah, I mean, it's hard to run on the Titans when they're at home, generally. Um, as Debro said, they've been up and down, but for the most part, I still consider it to be a pretty good run defense. And yeah, Zach Moss wasn't able to put together two smash games against the Titans, but I think we're still pretty pleased with where we're headed with Zach Moss right now. Let's move to Jags at Browns. Key question here. What are we doing with the Jaguars passing game with a banged up or very likely sitting? We don't know for sure yet. Trevor Lawrence fits. Oh, man, I, we are fading the Jaguar passing game mostly. Like I've got C.J. Beathard ranked QB 29, and maybe there's a chance that Trevor Lawrence plays. We have seen some quarterbacks play on high ankle sprains. Uh, Matt Ryan, I know, I know there was a more recent example. I'm forgetting. Oh, Patrick Mahomes. So um, it, it could happen, but like Lawrence hasn't exactly lit the world on fire this season anyway until recently. Could he do it with a uh, bum ankle when, you know, he gets some of his value from rushing? I, I'm skeptical. So, yeah, I've got Calvin Ridley, wide receiver 28, Zay Jones, like wide receiver 49. I think I've got Eng uh, Evan Engram, tight end 12. Like, I'm not real excited about using him. Uh, and it, it, even diminishes Travis Etienne's value, I think. Debra, how far are you knocking down everybody in this offense? Um, I mean, really, it's it's everybody, especially the, the deep components of this offense. So looking at Calvin Ridley, looking at Zay Jones, they definitely are getting a bump down because Trevor Lawrence, even if he has time in the pocket, we're not going to see his ability to extend plays like he does usually. So not in the same exact ilk, but we need to look at this offense kind of like we were looking at early season Joe Burrow. It's going to be limited. They're going to get the ball out of his hands. And so I'm, I'm knocking down Zay Jones and Calvin Ridley a peg, but I am going to rank probably, I'm going to have Parker Washington in wide receiver four territory. Uh, the matchup against the Cleveland secondary, he draws the best matchup out of all of those guys, uh, especially if you're looking at who is going to get peppered in the short and intermediate. I'm totally with Fitz. Like, I don't want to sound like I'm being hyperbolic here because, and I threw this out on um, the start sit show is, I, I I do not want to play Evan Ingram. I will I will stream if you pick up Isaiah Likely or Gerald Everett. I will stream either one of those tight ends over Evan Ingram. The matchup versus Cleveland is terrible. I have Evan Ingram as my tight end fourteen this week. I don't think that he should be in starter worthy conversation. If you're in a pinch and you have to, I get it. 
But if either one of those guys are sitting on the waiver wire, pick them up, start them over him. Their matchups are fantastic. Their quarterbacks are going to lean on them. I mean, Cleveland's given up three receiving touchdowns the entire season to tight ends. Two of those came via Mark Andrews. So you're really, really hoping for a lot for Evan Ingram, who, just to be kind of rewind for people, just scored his first receiving touchdown of the season last week. Yeah, I think that's all really fair. Um, I want to ask on the other side of this one, just a quick, what was our major takeaway from the Joe Flacco-led Browns? Obviously, you know, a different kind of a game from them, given, you know, from what we've seen from some of the other quarterbacks in Cleveland this season. But Fitz, what was your main takeaway from this Joe Flacco offense? Yeah, just um, making the pass catchers viable again. And I talked about all the air yards that Elijah Moore had last week. Like Flacco threw 44 passes, not super efficient, uh, 52.3% completion rate, only 5.8 yards per attempt. But he still finished with 254 yards and two touchdowns. So that's some some goodness to be spread around among those pass catchers. The guy who's really hard to uh, come to grips with right now is David Njoku. He's had 30 targets his last three games, so he's getting used a lot, but he's averaged like something like 4.6 yards per target on those 30 targets. Uh, like he's just not producing even with the target, so I, I don't know what to do about him. But I I probably would play him over Evan Engram, uh, as Debro mentioned. And, and by the way, to that point, I think the Browns have allowed like 260 or 270 receiving yards to tight ends this year. No other team has allowed under 400 receiving yards to tight ends. Like the Browns just destroy tight ends. Debra, what do you think about this Joe Flacco offense? He's chucking it, baby. I mean, he's letting it rip. He's, I mean, a- Elijah Moore had a 21.5 A dot. That tells you all you need to know. Joe Flacco is going to throw it and he's going to throw it a lot. And if you're struggling for like quarterback upside, um, especially like in super flex leagues from your QB two. Like you're staring at one of, oh, I don't know, Jake Browning, Gino, uh, maybe you're deciding between T-Law or starting Desmond Ritter or somebody. I play Joe Joe Flacco over most of those dudes. Like this matchup is fantastic. I mean, come on. We just saw Jake Browning shred this secondary. Do we think that Joe Flacco is going to throw the damn ball down the field the entire day? Can't do that. I think it's definitely possible, man. So again, um, that also could breed a bounce back for David and Joku this week. Man, I uh, I wish I was still alive in Scott Fishbowl. I was just eliminated last week because I've been stuck starting Derek Carr the whole year since Anthony Richardson went down, and it would <laughs> be really nice if I could just gone out and actually added like even just a guy like Joe Flacco who is just somewhat capable as that second quarterback would have uh, would have gone a long way towards keeping me alive. I just barely missed the cut line. Uh talking about Elijah Moore, this is the perfect opportunity to discuss this year's fantasy over under challenge presented by Betting Pros. Each week the guys will be making over under picks for 10 different players for how many fantasy points we expect them to score. Submit your picks at fantasypros.com/challenge to play along with the guys so you don't miss out on the chance to win awesome prizes. One of this week's players is Elijah Moore. His line is set this week at nine fantasy points against the Jaguars. Fitz, does he go over or under? I'm going to go over and uh, say all those air yards translate into a decent fantasy day in week 14. Debra? Over, baby. Easy over. He didn't. And I'll throw something on top here. He doesn't need a touchdown to get the over. I think you're, I think you're probably right. If I mean, again, those air yards were nuts last week. Like, just, I, I really loved the usage. So I'm really excited to see what he does if they can actually connect even just a couple of more times. Uh, fellas, 
it is that holiday time of year again. And if you're looking for something different for that favorite person on your list, think game time. Tickets for sports, concerts, and comedy shows, all of which make a fantastic gift this time of year, even if it's last minute. There are so many games to watch on any given day, but wouldn't it be better to be there live? The best way to get tickets to any of these games this month is on Game Time, the official ticketing app of Fantasy Pros Fantasy Football. Game Time is the only ticketing app that gives you peace of mind with your purchase. They let you see the view from your seat before you buy, so you know exactly what to expect when you arrive. Plus, their all-in prices show your total upfront, so you always know when you're getting a great deal. It takes no time at all. You can buy tickets in seconds with just two taps. So download the game time app and redeem code fantasy pros for $20 off your first purchase terms apply again download the game time app and enter code fantasy pros all one word for $20 off download game time today last minute tickets lowest price guaranteed let's move into our next game here panthers at saints Guys, Chuba Hubbard is RB7 across the last three weeks combined, RB5 across the last two weeks combined, yet he's RB27 in ECR this week. Where should he be, D-Bro? Top 24 back, locked in. Um, Talked about this earlier this week. Chuba Hubbard, I've got him as my... Where are you at, Chuba? I've got Chuba Hubbard as my RB22 for the week. So he should be nestled inside of the top 24, He got a ton of volume. I mean, 25 carries plays, man. It absolutely does. And you look at the Saints run defense. It is not the Saints run defense of old. It is not an elite unit. You could run all over this team. And with Staley out, Chuba was installed as the workhorse back. And he's going to keep that role, man. And the thing about it is, is, okay, he didn't get the pass game usage last week. Look back to the prior week before that. He got a ton of targets. So it's not just he, he needs the outs of... 20 plus carries, 25 carries. He can get targets in this offense as well. So Chuba's going to head for a big day, man. Yeah, Fitz. He actually has jumped up since I put together the outline yesterday. He's now RB26 in ECR. So not jumped Still up not by much, enough. but he is, he is slightly high higher. Where do you think he should be, Fitz? Yeah, I'm above consensus on him too. Not as high as Debro, but I've got him at RB24. And um, I guess he is somewhat limited by the ecosystem in which he operates, like the Panthers offense, not spectacular. but clearly the lead running back for Carolina now uh, played 65% of the snaps last week, season high, 25 carries 104 yards and two touchdowns. Now he gets to face that saints defense. Uh, Debro knows as a saints fan, like the saints defense, man, that that was a tough unit in the first month of the season. And man, has it gone to hell? And I know they've, they lost Marshawn Lattimore or Cam Jordan hasn't been healthy. They've had injuries to deal with, but the Saints have given up 370 rushing yards over their last two games. So uh, Hubbard could very well string together back-to-back 100-yard rushing Ugh, days. That's terrible. Quick, quickly, I want to get your guys' opinion on his rest of season outlook, too. He's RB30 in our consensus rest of season rankings. That is also too low, right, Debra? It is too low. Um, I'm actually going to bump him up as we're talking right now. Um, Chuba Hubbard... Let me see. Where do you need to go? Well, let's go RB24 rest of season. Feels about right. Fitz, are you in the same range? Yeah, I'll be somewhere between 24 and like 27, 28. Let's move to the last game on our early afternoon slate here for Sunday. Texans at Jets with no Tank Dell. Obviously just a crusher. Like what what, what a bummer of an injury. Um, But with no Tank Dell and facing a really good Jets defense, 
Is this finally the week that C.J. Stroud lays an egg? He's only had two weeks all season lower than QB 17 as his finish at the position. Debro, what do we make of Stroud this week in this matchup without his favorite target? I I don't care. It's C.J. Stroud, man. He keeps putting up points. Doesn't matter the secondary. And I think if you look at this Jets secondary, yes, their outside corners are extremely good. He can also use the running backs in the passing game. He can use the tight ends in the passing game. I don't know if we get Dalton Schultz back because, yes, he was limited on Wednesday. He had a DMP on Thursday. So, again, we're talking about uh, going back to the tight end conversation. I would stream Brevin Jordan again over Evan Ingram because he could get a lot of volume in this. If CJ Stroud wants to stay away from these outside corners, then have at it, man. And the other thing I want to point out here. Nico Collins, I still have him ranked. I'm going to have him ranked as a top 15 wide receiver because people do not understand. He just smoked Patrick Sertan. Like that was a good secondary that Nico Collins just said, I don't really care. I'm going to slice and dice and just do the damn thing. And so can he do that versus the Jets? Is it a lower probability? Sure. Nico Collins is going to get freaking fed this week though, man. Fitz, what do you make of this? Again, given the matchup and the injuries. I'm a little more concerned about C.J. Stroud, and I'm a little more concerned about Nico Collins than Debro is. I'm starting Nico if I've got him. Like, he's inside my yeah. top 20 at wide receiver, but I've got him, like, wide receiver 19 because, like, I, I do think it's a pretty tough matchup. Again, I think Sauce Gardner is allowing, like, half a yard per route run into his coverage or something. Like, like it's a really sick number. I mean, he is – and he's not going to see – Nico Collins on every snap like he'll be going against DJ Reed some too but DJ Reed is also really really good so um as for Stroud like no tank Dell nasty matchup against the Jets defense that's giving up 192.2 passing yards per game and 6.2 yards per attempt um and, and again I'm not a big weather guy but like if there are torrential downpours then you bring a wet ball into play that that makes things even harder for CJ Stroud I have him ranked QB 10 so I'm starting him under most circumstances. I'm I'm not sitting him for like Gardner Minshew or Matthew Stafford or anyone like that. But um, you know, QB ten does admittedly feel a little optimistic. I'm not going to ask about the Jets side of things. I'm not going to pretend Please to don't. care about the fact Please that don't. Zach Wilson could be starting again. Uh, I do have a follow up uh, betting pros over under challenge question here though, with Noah Brown on the board in a game with Tank Dell obviously out. Brown's line this week is set at eight fantasy points against the Jets. What do we think, D bro? I'm taking the under. I think if you're looking for the secondary target in this offense this week. It's going to be the tight end position. It's going to be the running backs. I lean more to the tight end. So Noah Brown, we saw uh, in the tough matchup last week, full-time starter was the starting in two wide with Nico Collins, uh, but he only got two targets. I think we're going to see a similar output. So I think Noah Brown's in that wide receiver four or five conversation. Noah Brown, eight fantasy points fits over or under. Under. Before we move on with the show, let's take a second to talk about Air MedCare Network. We talk a lot about what makes winners on this show, and there's one thing that all the teams, coaches, and players have in common, preparation. Planning is key in everyday life, too, and a great way to be prepared for the unexpected is to join Air MedCare Network, America's largest air ambulance membership network. 
Air MedCare network providers operate state-of-the-art helicopters that can respond to critically ill or injured patients who need emergency medical transport. These flights can be very expensive, but as an Air MedCare network member, you won't see a bill for your flight only when flown by one of their providers. That's right, you would pay nothing. You can become a member of Air MedCare network for just $99 per year. And right now, our listeners get up to an $80 MasterCard or Amazon e-gift card when they join and use offer code fantasy pros that's fantasy pros with no spaces make financial peace of mind part of your game plan visit airmedcarenetwork.com forward slash fantasy pros all right let's go to the late afternoon slate vikings at raiders how are we ranking the rest of the vikings offense with justin jefferson finally back on the field fits uh let's see so this week i've got jordan addison wide receiver 33 K.J. Osborne, wide receiver 62, T.J. Hawkinson, tight end three, and Joshua Dobbs, quarterback 15. And I'm a little nervous about ranking Dobbs that high, and I'd be nervous about starting him just because what if he tanks again? I mean, like, they were—he was so bad in that Week 12 game against the Bears that, like, immediately after that game, Kevin O'Connell wouldn't commit to him as the Week 14 starter. And, like, what if he struggles in the first half? This week against the Raiders. Not that the Raiders are a daunting matchup or anything, but like, is it possible he could get benched in game? I think it is if he has another terrible game. Like he was really awful in that game against the Bears. I feel like anecdotally, don't we give other quarterbacks a lit like they're allowed to have one dud Mm -hmm. before we're saying like they need to be benched already, especially when they're getting maybe the best receiver in football back on the field this week. To help them, like, I, like I'm not saying you're wrong about what the Vikings will do, but I don't think they should be considering benching Dobbs. I think he's clearly their best option right now, and again, he's now going to have the best assortment of weapons that he's been throwing to all season, and he's had a good season. Debra, I see you nodding along. What do you think? Dude, if O'Connell believes that he really needs to bench Dobbs for freaking Jaron Hall or Nick Mullins, we, he needs to share whatever the heck he he's sipping from, because it's obviously some really damn good stuff, because... That, that is absolute insanity. I, I know that Dobbs did not play good versus Chicago. I talked about this in the primer for multiple weeks. This defense has been playing good, really, really good football versus the pass and versus the run. Dobbs is going to light the Raiders on fire. I have him as a top 12 quarterback this week. And if you look at their overall season statistics against passers, it is massively puffed up because they have played a litany of terrible quarterbacks. I could list off like just week after week of bottom tier league average god awful quarterback play when they've played good quarterbacks. So versus a sample of Jared Goff, Patrick Mahomes, Tua Tagovailoa, and I'm not telling you that Dobbs is in the conversation of Tua and Patrick Mahomes is in the conversation of Jared Goff. He's not that far off, man. And versus those guys, 104 passer rating. yards per attempt, an 86.9 adjusted completion rate allowed. Now you're telling me Dobbs is getting back a top three wide receiver in the NFL. He's going to be a full go. Not even worried about that. Justin Jefferson's going to be a locked in top five to seven wide receiver this week. Now he's got Hawkinson and Addison, a full complement of weapons. Giddy up, baby. I believe Dobbs is a top 12 guy this week. I'm I'm glad you mentioned Jefferson's rankings because I, I was looking at our staff rankings, Debra. I'm guessing you just don't have this updated because it says Jefferson's wide receiver 14 for you. You're not being oh, no. conservative with him on his way back, right? You just that's no, not I've updated. got him at um yeah that that was getting updated, so I, maybe it's just a lag. But no, I've got him at wide receiver. Where is he at right now? Wide receiver six for the week. 
Okay. And Fitz looks like you got him wide receiver four. So you're just throwing him right back in the top five. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's where he belongs, right? Obviously, we're not we're not worried if he's on the field, like he's <laughs> an elite, elite guy. Uh, I do want to ask you about Jefferson uh, on his player prop this week. Um, again, you can find this information on betting pros. These are odds from DraftKings Sportsbook. It's just 64 and a half receiving <laughs> yards. So I guess the, the books are a little more conservative on him and five and a half receptions. <laughs> D-Bro, I hear you laughing. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, to, I'm pointing over just before you even mentioned the lines because I knew they were going to be long, wrong. But that is a drunk line. Like, God, Lord. Give me that line. I mean, like, put two units on it. That that's insanity. Uh, the over smash over. Get if if that's how low the line is starting, then we need to discuss ladder betting that uh, all the way up. That that was a line as of yesterday. I'm gonna pull it up and see just Oof. if it's happened to have updated in the last. Day. Even if it's going up into the mid 70s, still ladder the hell out of it's, that. Go to 80. It's go to 90. Up, go to 100. It's gone up a yard. It's 65 and a half now. <laughs> wow. Golly. Fitz, no you also going Overs. heavy over. Yeah, Jeez. definitely. I I feel like that total should be set ten yards higher. Can, can we also, also talk about Justin Jefferson threw out there yesterday into the media about his goals for the rest of the season? He wants to get to a thousand yards, and I think I don't have it pulled up, but off the top of my head, what I saw was he needs what is it like four hundred and thirty receiving yards over the last few games to get there. You're telling me that like they're not going to feed him the ball? Come on. It's going to yeah, happen. Yeah. No, I'm with you. He's also plus 120 for an anytime touchdown, which Jeez, I, I like as well. Hammer all of that. Put if, it into a parlay. Enjoy life. That. Yeah. Um, Seahawks at 49ers. Next game here in the late afternoon slate. These two teams just played in week 12. Christian McCaffrey was dominant. Debo was good. Brandon Ayuk was okay. Nobody on the Seahawks really performed well. Zach Charbonnet did get 18 touches, but he didn't do much with him. So I'm wondering, guys. What's going to be different just two weeks later? Fitz, do you expect any differences or are we going to see kind of the same gameplay out? Yeah, I mean, I just don't know if it's going to be that heavy a Debo game again. Like there's no reason Brandon Ayuk could not have a smash game in this. So that's really it. Just maybe we see something different with the wide receiver target distribution and, and uh, you know, who has the big game for them through the air. Maybe Seattle puts up some better passing numbers in this game. I mean, they're so banged up at running back. They almost might be forced to go pass heavy in this one, especially with the likelihood of a negative game script. So, um, yeah, like hard to tell. I, I kind of see the same overall result as last time going on, but I'm I'm not sure what the uh, the fantasy spread is going to be. That could be a little different. Yeah, Debro, on those receivers that Fitz mentioned, you know, Debo Samuel had uh, 15 yards on the ground and a rushing touchdown. He also had seven for 79 through the air. Brandon Ayuk had just two catches, but he had 50 yards and a touchdown with those. Do you see those guys maybe swapping their workloads in this one, or do you think it's going to play out a similar way? Also, I will point out Brock Purdy didn't really do much in this game either, just 200 yards and a touchdown. He didn't need to because they were winning by so much, but another point to make. That's that's exactly where I was going to go, Worm. If the Seattle Seahawks can push the 49ers, then we're going to see better performances out of these guys. If they can't, then it could be a little bit more muted. And I'm looking at this game a little bit differently. Like Debo has scored rushing touchdowns in three of the last four games. At some point that has to fall off. I don't think that he's going to keep, you know, and it's not that he's gotten this wide back role of like seven to eight carries. He's been doing it on three carries, four carries. So it's a slim margin of, okay, that probably falls off at some time. And if that's the case, we know San Francisco is going to put up like 28, 30 points in this game. Where does that extra touchdown go? I'm betting it goes to CMC. I think that he has one of the, like the vintage smash performances um, this week. 
Uh, I know he had two touchdowns in this last game. We could see three or four touchdowns from him in this game if Debo doesn't get the rushing score. So for me, I'm leaning more on heavy, heavy CMC usage. I think Brock Purdy bounces back, assuming Seattle can push them on the other side. And I love Brandon Ayuk, man. Like the outside corners for Seattle have not been playing as good as they were. Devon Witherspoon has shown some of the rookie bumps. Uh, Tariq Woolen has not followed up his stellar rookie season with the same type of level this year. So Brandon Ayuk, we've seen him cook corners anytime they give him ball. Volume, he cooks them religiously like he is an alpha 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 through and through man I want to throw a player prop here again to you guys DK Metcalf coming off a huge game last week obviously was quiet against the Niners two weeks ago his line is set at 60 and a half receiving yards four and a half receptions and I'm wondering if you're going over or under D bro that's a damn good line, Worm. Why I kind of pander about this line, I, w- I want you to do me a favor. Can you pull up Tyler Lockett's lines on DK? Because those are the ones that I think are depressed. And if anybody's already read the primer, I- I'm drunk on Tyler Lockett this week, baby. Like his numbers versus too high, which San Francisco has been running at a high clip over the last few weeks are bonkers. So I think that we've seen JSN have his breakout game, which he still caught that touchdown. Nobody could tell me otherwise. DK Metcalf had a blow-up game, and he has been kind of dancing around the blow-up game for a few weeks. He finally had that. I think this is Tyler Lockett week. So this is all to say, I don't want to touch the DK lines. If anything, I'll take the unders probably, depending on where the juice is and what that looks like. But for me, smash the overs on Tyler Lockett. And I'm saying that without even worm telling me what the lines are right now. You stalled exactly long enough for me to get See, it pulled up yeah, with yeah. my slow internet. 50 and a half is the oh, receiving yard baby. line. Four yes. and a half receptions. Overs. Overs all day, and, baby. And give plus me overs. 285 anytime touchdown. Oh, give me get all of it. I want all, all of, of that action in my life. I need it. Need it. Need it. Need it. Fitz, how are you betting uh, the Seahawks receivers? Again, DK's line was 60 and a half receiving yards, four and a half receptions. Tyler Lockett was 50 and a half receiving yards, also four and a half receptions. Yeah, I'm going to go under on Metcalf. Um, Lockett, you know, I'm probably not going to touch Lockett. You're not forcing me to call uh, Lockett since it was just Debro ordering you to call if, it if up. If you feel I mean, strongly I, about it, you can call it, but you don't have to if you don't feel as strongly. Not as strongly as Debro, not as strongly as Debro yeah. but I'm not betting under on Lockett after uh, Debro's after point about the, the too yeah. high thing. I just, I feel like the Seattle target distribution has become a lot more egalitarian lately with JSN now being fully integrated into this offense. So I I don't feel wildly confident in like DK getting peppered with targets in any given week. Just to throw it out there for people, why I'm so high on Lockett. Since week 12, 49ers utilized too high on 56% of their snaps. So since week eight, and this is why I drill down to this time point, because JSN is fully integrated, DK's back and healthy. Since week eight, Lockett versus too high. 45% air yard share, 1.9 yards per route run, and a team leading 29% first read share. He's going to eat, boys. Let's move to maybe the game of the day, uh, Bills at Chiefs. There's a lot of really good games this week, but it's one of the games of the day, Bills at Chiefs, which non-must-start Bill, so I'm not asking about Josh Allen or Fon Diggs, is most likely to have a great game in this matchup. James Cook, Gabe Davis, or Khalil Shakir fits. Oh, um, man, I wish you'd gone to Debro first with this one because I'm going to steal his thunder. Like, Debro made the point in the primer 
uh, that James Cook has been really heavily involved in the Bills offense ever since Joe Brady took over as the play caller with the uh, firing of um, Ken Dorsey. So, yeah, in the two games the Bills have played since they fired Dorsey, Cook has 33 carries and nine receptions. And that is pretty much the usage that James Cook investors were dreaming of back in September. So, Plus, the Chiefs are much better against the pass than they are against the run. Like, I think it it sets up really well for James Cook this week. I, I was torn on whether or not to even include Cook in the question. He's ranked as RB20 in ECR, so I figured that it's was low, low enough that folks, folks might have other options to start, so I wanted yeah. to include him. Debra, you're also Davis, going Cook, though? It, By the way, I, I was mm-hmm. just going to say Davis and Shakir are both pretty dicey, man. Like, Ooh. everyone, it, it's funny how the ECR has uh, bumped up on Gabe Davis, and maybe people are remembering that glorious playoff game he had in Kansas City a couple of years ago with the 200-some yards and four touchdowns. But, like, before last week with his good game, like, the three games before, I think Davis had two catches. So with with the emergence of like Shakir and Dalton Kincaid, like Gabe Davis has just become a lot riskier, I think, these days. Yeah, Fitz, I, I actually read this game log on the Thursday show yesterday. I'll read it here for those who who missed the Thursday show. But if you go back to week six, his last wide receiver, just where, where he finished at the position, Gabe Davis, wide receiver 89, 88. 10, 135, 34, 136, 7. So it is a roller coaster through and through for Gabe yes. Davis. Debra. Man, I, I'm I'm crazy high on James Cook, Khalil Shakir, and Gabe Davis this week because for, for a litany of reasons. One, James Cook, people are disrespecting. He's been RB10 and RB12 over the last two weeks. Now he gets another smash matchup. Why are we ranking him as a low-end RB2? I'm not. I'm not going to have him there. So he's going to be a top 15 back. I might bump him up into my RB1s this week. High total, amazing matchup. We see all the pass game usage. Like, what is there not to like about James Cook? And on Gabe Davis and Khalil Shakir, Legereus Sneed has been shadowing top-tier wide receiver ones the entire freaking season. That's going to happen. Okay, so Stefan Diggs, temper your expectations. Every other corner for Kansas City has been eviscerated over the last few weeks. Trent McDuffie, their slot corner, this season, 70% catch rate, 104 pass rating aligned in his coverage. The other two outside corners, which they've been running like a a three-way tandem of these guys for Kansas City. It's like Sneed locks down the wide receiver one. They use two corners on the other side named Jalen Watson and Joshua Williams. Those two guys this season have given up a combined seven receiving touchdowns in their coverage, 117 pass rating, 119 pass rating in their coverages. Kansas City has struggled mightily versus deep passing over the last few weeks. All of the coverage metrics line up for Gabe Davis and Khalil Shakir to smash. Over the last four to five weeks, Kansas City is allowing the third highest PPR points per target to opposing slot wide receivers. It is going to be a muted game for Stefan Diggs, but I'm telling you right now, James Cook is going to go off. Gabe Davis is going to go off. He's going to have a monster game, and so is Khalil Shakir. Fire him up. Let's hit one last betting pros over under challenge here with Patrick Mahomes. His line this week is all the way up at 21 fantasy points despite his wide receiver troubles. Do we think he goes over or under? Again, 21 fantasy points against the Bills, D-Bro. Uh, under. I, I, I can't invest in Patrick Mahomes. The only... Because the only thing, like Travis Kelsey's kind of hit a wall, man. He's he's playing kind of closer to his age lately. Now, maybe he comes out with a vintage performance this week and gets fired up for that game. 
But the only guy I feel confident in that passing attack is Rasheed Rice, who is going to be a top 24 wide receiver this week. But Mahomes, it's not been pretty, man. Like, I don't want to, I don't want to be hyperbolic in a massive total game that they need to win. And we could get vintage Mahomes in this game. But honestly, if you look back over the last few weeks, there's a damn good conversation to not rank him as a top 12 quarterback. I'm not saying that I'm doing that. But if you look at the production versus the name of Mahomes and we took out the Mahomes name, people wouldn't be like, oh, top five quarterback, all these different things. If you just look at the numbers. Yeah. Fitz, what do you think? 21 is the line. I agree. Under. I mean, the trends just point that way. And I don't think his offensive line is as good as it used to be. Let's move to Broncos at Chargers. Austin Eckler, three straight weeks of finishing RB32 or worse, but he's still top six in ECR this week. Is that too high given his recent performance and the talk of maybe some more Josh Kelly in this offense, D-Bro? It's too high. I have I have, I had Austin Eckler as a mid-RB2 last week. I got him there again this week. I have Austin Eckler at RB16 right now. Um, I don't feel great about him. He's not looked good. Um, and I, and I, I, I'm going to throw this out there. I feel bad for Austin Eckler. I don't think that he's a hundred percent. He's gutting through the ankle that he's been doing all year. This offense has not looked good. That needs to get thrown back to, and I'm not telling you that Austin Eckler's played well, but he's out there playing right now. I mean, tell me how much of that is him playing for his teammates, for the team and all that kind of stuff. I, I, I feel like he's getting a little bit too much shade. I, I get that the production has been bad and he's an RB two right now. But Brandon Staley is grasping at straws. He looks like a coach that is flailing right now to come up with reasons why this isn't working, that isn't working. Dude, it could just be like, you're not a great coach right now. So why don't you own a little bit of that? I think he's been grasping at straws for a little while now. Uh, yeah, Fitz, Austin Eckler, he's, he's actually dropped. He's now top seven. He's RB7 in ECR this week. Um, that still feels too high. Yeah, D-Bro, did you really have to qualify the thing about Brandon Staley not being a great coach right now? Do, did I, you need yeah. right now? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, um, that's true. True facts. Yeah, so uh, I do have Eckler at RB8. It doesn't feel good to have him in the top 10, but the matchup against the Broncos is basically as good as it gets for a running back. Um, but, man, you take away his 117-yard rushing day in week one, and Eckler is averaging three yards per carry Ooh. and 41, 41.1 rushing yards per game. So I, I agree with Debro. Like the ankle is probably still bothering him. But man, like I, I know it's too high and I can't bring myself to rank him lower than RB8. Yeah, I've got a second question on this game. Running back on the other side, Javante Williams has gotten pretty good usage since getting healthy, but he only has two games all season with the finish higher than RB20. How would we evaluate him right now? Fitz, I'll start with you here. Yeah, I mean, he looks good to me. He he passes the eye test. I know he's only averaging 3.8 yards per carry. I know he doesn't have a touchdown run this season, but like to me, he looks like a, at least 90% of what he was before the knee injury. Debra, I, I think that Javante is still better days ahead, man. Like I'm, I'm extremely high on him. I'm bullish on him this week. Uh, the Bolts' run defense has not been great uh, since Week Eight. Tenth highest explosive run rate, twelfth highest yards of contact per attempt. I think this is the game that Javante Williams gets a rushing touchdown. And actually, I'll go over my skis. I'll, I'll say he gets two because the regression has to hit at some point, man. And the matchup is there. I think Denver itself as an offense, as a team is still kind of finding its way. 
And I think Javante is part of that. So we've seen his volume kind of wax and wane with game scripts. I think that this game, Denver plays from ahead. I don't know what the books were thinking. Like you could get, I don't know where his money, the money line is for Denver is right now, but on DK to open the week, it was at plus money. I smashed that as soon as it opened. I was like, are we looking at the same Chargers team over the last few weeks? How is Denver not favored in this game? Come on. I want to mention to everybody before we move into the primetime games to leave a review for us. It's that time of year where we want to hear what you guys have thought of the show. This has been my favorite show of the week, honestly. It's very fun to uh, to do this Friday show with you guys every single week. So I've had a great time doing it. I hope everybody's had a great time listening. So go to fantasypros.com slash review or head to Spotify. Just go ahead and leave us a review. Let us know what you think and uh, hopefully give us five stars. We'd really appreciate it. Guys, let's go to Sunday Night Football. Eagles at Cowboys. This might actually be the game of the week. It's either this or Bill's Chiefs probably uh these two teams did play already this season they played in week nine and while the Eagles won the game it was Dak Prescott CeeDee Lamb Jake Ferguson who all had the best fantasy days outside of Hertz who was QB3 because he had a rushing touchdown but that's Hertz every week the other guys that really blew up in this game were the Cowboys who do we expect to blow up in the rematch deep bro I think that A.J. Brown is due for a monster game. Uh, We haven't seen it over the last few weeks. Now, some of this comes down to what does Brian Johnson decide he's going to do? If you're having an A.J. Brown run go balls the entire damn day, then maybe it's not that great. But if we get some in-breaking routes, please, can we do that? Then A.J. Brown could do the same freaking thing that D.K. Metcalf did to Deron Bland. Can get him being overly aggressive, can perform after the catch, and A.J. Brown can smash. I think Devonta Smith, those other guys are going to be, they're going to play fine. Dallas Goddard in this matchup, he is the, the skeleton key. He is the guy that if we're going to see somebody blow up in this game, coming back from the injury and stuff like that, not having to face the, the top parts of this secondary, he is the guy that could propel Hurts to a better passing day and could be the guy that actually leads them in most receiving categories outside of a big day from A.J. Brown. Fits which stars play like stars in this rematch. By the way, I hope Debro is right about Devonta Smith being okay because um, it was really nice when uh, Dallas Goddard was out for Devonta Smith investors because he was just rocking and like the extra targets seem to be all going his way. Um, and, and now with Goddard back, like I don't know if Smith is uh, the same sort of impact receiver he has been in recent weeks. It's CeeDee Lamb again. I mean, he, he destroyed the Eagles in that first matchup. 16 targets, 11 catches, 191 yards. Basically, every wide receiver who goes up against the Eagles these days goes off. So maybe even Brandon Cooks, too. I mean, look, the the volume has not really been there for Cooks. Uh, there have been three games this season, only three, in which he's had more than four targets. But man, against the Eagles secondary, you might only need four targets to put up 100 yards at a touchdown. So uh, I do like the Dallas receivers a lot this week. The Eagles, yeah, I'm not sure. I, I don't really want to put my chips on Devonta Smith for the same reason, but Debro's right. We are really due for a big A.J. Brown game. Fitz, who wins this game? Cowboys are three and a half point favorites at home. The over-under has jumped all the way up to 52 even. Who do you think wins and how are you betting this one? Cowboys. Um Jalen Hurts has been good this year, but I don't think he has been great as a pure passer, and I don't think he can go toe-to-toe with Dak Prescott in a passing duel. Wow. I I will say before I toss to you, Debra, with the same question, it's really hard for me to not take a team with as much talent on it as the Eagles when they're not only getting a field goal, but getting three and a half points. Like, that's... That's hard for me to pass up. I know this game is in Dallas, though, and obviously Dak Prescott's playing like an MVP. How are you betting this one, Debra? 
Man, um, I think the over is in play. I do think that we get the shootout in this game. I, um, I'm probably staying away from all the other different parts of pieces. Like, I think it's going to be a back and forth game. I think the spread is perfectly on. Um, so for me, it's the over. I do think that Dallas wins in this game. And I think this is another step towards Dak Prescott uh, cementing his MVP candidacy. That's going to be a super, super fun Sunday night game. We have two Monday night games. Neither of them look that uh, interesting from a football fan perspective, but hopefully from a fantasy perspective, they can give us some points here. Uh, game number 13 on the slate, Titans at Dolphins. So my question here, and Fitz, I'll start with you. How many Dolphins players would you rank ahead of Derrick Henry in this game? And then the, I'm going to follow up with, is the same answer for DeAndre Hopkins, or would that number change? Mm. So while well, ahead of uh, Derrick Henry, I've got Devon Achan, Tyreek Hill, of course, and Jalen Waddell. And I have Raheem Mostert, as of now, ranked one spot behind Henry and consider that basically a coin flip. Um, if you had Hopkins, he'd be behind all those guys for me. Um, I think he would also be behind Henry and Mostert. So he would be six out of six. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm with you on Hopkins. Are, are you going to disagree before we get to Henry on, on Hopkins, Steve, or is he the obvious kind of last guy? Nope. I agree with everything Fitz just threw out there. Um, I'm immensely low on Hopkins. Like he's in wide receiver three territory. Um, depending on where ECR comes in, I might bump him even lower than that. Just the matchup is brutal, man. Like Jalen Ramsey, since he's been back, has been absolutely top tier. And the scary thing that Jalen Ramsey's come out and said to the media, like, I don't feel like I'm playing like me, bro. You've given up a 7.4 passer rating in your co- seven, 7.4 passer rating in your coverage. And you're telling me you're not a hundred percent. Ha! Good luck, Hopkins. That's all I got to say. Good luck, baby. Yeah. And and then on Henry, I mean, he's obviously had some strong games lately. He's also had some duds in the last month. Um, the Dolphins, though, it's just every time you go down the list on a different name, and that's why I asked this question, I'm like, I'd rather start the Dolphin. I'd rather, it's like, how many points can the Dolphin store? Well, it can be a lot, obviously. Um, I, yeah, I just don't see the case for Henry over really any of these startable Dolphins. It's tough to make it, man. I mean, I've got Henry right now. He's right next to Raheem Mostert. Like, I've got him, David Montgomery, and Raheem Mostert all near the top, the bottom 24 of running backs. Um, I think the best case you can make for Henry over Mostert this week is Tennessee understands that they cannot even get close to hanging with the Dolphins' uh, offense. So what are you going to do? You're going to play slow as all get out. You're going to run the freaking ball with Henry. Henry could, this is, this is quietly a spot where Henry, if Tennessee wants to lean into the run game to keep the Dolphins offense off of the field, I know that that doesn't work in a lot of iterations about actually winning the game, but what else, if you're Tennessee, what the hell else are you going to do? Will Levis can't go toe to toe with this offense. There's no way that's going to happen. Your best shot is to feed Derrick Henry. He could end up with his highest carry total of the entire season. Like, I I, I understand that that's going against a lot of consensus and all these different types of things. I, and I understand Derrick Henry on the road, all, the, all that stuff. The, that's the only way that Tennessee has a shot to even stay within shouting different distance of the Dolphins this week. Debro, what do you think Tyreek's Hill over under line is on, on receiving <laughs> yards on DraftKings? What do you think it is? It should be 98. It should be 100. Like it should be somewhere close to like the century line. Uh, I'll, I'll make a <laughs> let's say 101. Why not? Fitz, what, Fitz, what do you think it is? I know what it is. It's as of last night, it was 104 and a half. 104 it, and a half. 
is the line for Tyreek. He's this Hill. year's Cooper Cup, baby. He's this Se- year's Cooper Cup. Seven and a half receptions. Anytime touchdown score is minus one ninety five. Huh? I mean these. God. I mean. <laughs> And by, and by the way, I don't disagree with any of it. I don't. By, I by the way, uh, that line of 104 and a half, it's minus 105 to take the under. It's <laughs> minus 125 to go over 104 and a half. I mean, this <sighs> is this is an absurd line. And yet I'm like, Tyree Kill against the Titans. Easy. Like, smash yeah. the over. Yeah. I mean, it's crazy. It's insanity, man. But I mean, <laughs> it's not wrong. It's it's not yeah. even close to wrong. He has been the inevitable yeah. thing in the Dolphins. Like it's every single week. Nobody can stop Tyreek Hill. Like he he's going to win Offensive Player of the Year. Uh, I I I'm still like we talked about this earlier in the week, Quorum. I can't remember if it was on the show or off, but like Tyreek Hill is not going to win MVP, but he sure as hell is going to win Offensive Player of the Year. It's just too bad for the Tyreek Hill investors that uh, he gets this Commanders-Titans double matchup in weeks 13 and 14 rather than weeks 15 and 16. Yeah, it's fair. Yeah, it's tough. He's going to have the Ravens. Is that week 16 or 17? That's 17, right? That he gets... (laughs) The Ravens. I know. I, the whole the whole playoff schedule is tough for them. But I mean, I know that one already. I, I, I'll just throw out matchups. Don't freaking matter with Tyreek Hill. They don't. Yeah, I mean, they, 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 they don't. It's not like I would. Doesn't matter. He's gonna go off every single week. Doesn't matter. Yeah, just out of curiosity. Yeah. So he, he. Oh yeah, that's right. He finishes with Jets, Cowboys at Ravens. Is don't 15, even care. 16, 17, So don't even care. Top three wide receiver. Yeah, I mean, wide receiver one overall. Rest of the season. Doesn't matter. I, I can't remember the last time I saw a line set at over a hundred receiving yards, and it was, yet also like <laughs> juiced to like I should be taking. I want to take the over. I mean, it's crazy. Um, all right, yeah. Packers at Giants. Last game on the slate here. By the way, what do you guys think about this doubleheader on Monday night late in the season? Have we seen this before? Am I misremembering? This This is not something we usually see outside of the first one or two weeks, right? I don't think we... Yeah, it's a, yeah. Yeah. It's a weird choice to do that and give us two sort of mediocre matchups. <laughs> yeah. Like, I mean, I, I guess it puts a lot of uh, fantasy skin in the game on Monday night, but it's just not, you know... I guess it's also really better to have two mediocre game. matchups than one mediocre matchup. Like, at least we can flip back and yes. forth. And, yes. I, suppose, I, but. I love it because that way we get a two-gamer that I can play over on DK. Um, I love short slates and DFS, so... <laughs> uh nfl you want to give me more of these uh double double headers on monday night i'm here for it here for more saturday games just yes love it love it Keep yeah doing it. uh well like we said this is maybe a bit of a stinker uh in terms of the actual matchup but key question here jordan love is a top four quarterback across the last three weeks combined he's top five if you look at uh per game average because josh allen has a buy in there but he's top four in terms of total scoring at quarterbacks across the last three weeks he just torched a really good chiefs defense in prime time but he might be without Christian Watson this week. How much does that hurt him? And also, which Packers wide receivers are you interested in playing if Watson isn't on the field fits? I won't say the absence of Christian Watson is not going to hurt Love at all. But before Thanksgiving, Watson wasn't really doing much other than uh, stretching defenses with deep routes. Yeah, Like, he wasn't connecting on a lot of big plays. They were trying and taking deep shots, but... Um, I don't know. I mean, Love has been so hot. His fantasy finishes over his last four games, QB 12, QB 9, QB 5, QB 7. He's averaged 286.5 passing yards per game over that stretch with 10 touchdowns. Um, I do think Jaden Reed is going to show up on Monday night. Like he's the wide receiver 18 in fantasy scoring since week seven. And the Giants have allowed the fourth most fantasy points and seventh most receiving yards to wide receivers this season. Debra, how are you approaching this Packers passing attack? I think it's Jaden Reed time, man. I'm totally with Fitz. Um, I like Jaden Reed this week. 
I really wish we had Christian Watson in the spot, man. Like Christian Watson versus man coverage, and we know that that's basically the bread and butter of um this this Packers. I mean, excuse me, this Giants defense. Good lord, Christian Watson was going to go off in this one. It's sad, man. Like that, especially considering they were finally kind of finding their foot. And I'm pulling up stuff um right now to see who is going to be. Ah, uh, that's exactly what I thought. Um, okay, so uh, I'll go off the page here a little bit. I do think that Dontavian Wicks is the guy that kind of comes out of the woodwork and has a decent game because if you look at versus man coverage, uh, right behind Watson, who's been targeted on 31% of his routes, Dontavian Wicks is at 29%. So, um, I haven't looked at the injury reports. I know Wicks has kind of been back and forth. I mean, fits unless you have something I don't. I think Wicks plays, and if he plays, I think he's going to play extremely well. Yeah, I have no insight on Wicks. I th- I think they expect Wicks to play. If he plays, he's gonna he's the guy. If you're playing that that two gamer on uh, DK, I'm gonna have exposure to Wicks. We will get out of there on that. Obviously, a very full slate. Thank you everybody for sticking with us all the way till the end. For Debro and Fitz, I am Ryan Warmly saying good luck this week. Go out and clinch those fantasy playoff spots, and we will see you next week as we talk about Week 15 and the actual fantasy playoffs. Looking forward to that. Thank you everybody for tuning in. We'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to the Fantasy Pros Fantasy Football Podcast. If you love the show, the best free way to support us is by leaving a positive review on Apple Podcasts at fantasypros.com slash review or on Spotify. Follow us on X, Instagram, and TikTok at Fantasy Pros and subscribe to our YouTube channel at youtube.com slash fantasy pros. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80, live March 20th from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infinity QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. For all the parents out there, picture that it's bedtime. You and the kids have been busy all day. You know they're tired, but for some reason, they just won't go to sleep. And for this reason, I created the podcast Bedtime History. Bedtime History is a series of relaxing history stories that end with an inspirational message. With over 2,000 positive parent reviews, Bedtime History is one of the top education podcasts. Join me and listen to Bedtime History every Monday and Thursday on iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Last season on the Choosing Sides F1 podcast, we established unequivocally that F1 is the pinnacle of motorsports. We did, but honestly, I was left with more questions than answers, Tony. I'm Tony Cameron Brown, a tech, culture, and F1 commentator. And I'm Michael Costa, comedian from The Daily Show. Join us for season two of Choosing Sides F1. Our F1 102, if you will. And get all of the answers. All of them? Listen to Choosing Sides F1 on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.